Welcome to our third bonus episode of the Brookwood Church Breakthrough Podcast. Our guest is the International Director of Prayer from 24-7 Prayer, Brian Heasley. In today's episode, we explore the significance of being intimate in our time with the Lord, recognizing the difference between function and lifelong commitment. Today's message, intimacy and involvement. Here's Brian Heasley. I didn't say this earlier, but my name's Kevin. I have the privilege of being one of the student pastors here at Brookwood. Again, thank you so much for being here with us. How's that art of perseverance coming? You face any temptation today? Oh, yeah. Someone on the way in said, man, it's amazing the number of Burger King commercials you see when you start fasting. So... Hang in there. It is an art, as Brian was telling us last night. So we're going to continue to work on that together. Hey, tonight's our last teaching session. Yes, aw, that's okay. But this is not the end. In fact, fact, what I've been hearing from God today is that this is really just the beginning of something new, something fresh, something exciting in our midst. So so yes, in in that vein, I want to encourage you to do a couple things. One, come hang out with us tomorrow. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at noon upstairs in our chapel. Uh, it's a beautiful time just to be together. There's some solidarity when everybody else is going for the drive-through. We're, we're coming here to, to worship. So come, come and do that with us. Also want to encourage you to uh, check out our devotions. Uh, we've got some that go along with this series. In fact, today's, it's almost like it was divinely ordained, was titled Breakthrough Comfort. So... Some of us are feeling that, but hey, we've got a limited number of these left physical copies, but you can grab this on the app. Just encourage you, participate in that with us as well. Uh, Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. I believe God's got something for us tonight. I'm going to pray for him. And when I say amen, that'll be your cue to make some noise and we'll welcome Brian back to the stage. I'd love to just pray for him before he comes to share our final message in our breakthrough gatherings. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. And we thank you that you're not done yet. Holy Spirit, we know you're in this place. Give us an awareness of what you have for us. Anoint your servant, Brian, as he comes to share your word tonight. Change lives. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, y'all make some noise for Brian. Let's go. I'm absolutely amazed you just came back. So good to see you all. Uh, and uh, I've had a great day here. It's been lovely weather, hasn't it? Which is nice. You've got a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful place. I tried uh, iced tea yesterday. <laughs> uh, sweet tea. Sweet tea. It was more like uh, sugar water with the essence of tea. You know, it wouldn't work in England, but... I see, I could see the lift it would give one, you know, it would, it would not, you know, oh my goodness, I was like awake after that. So I know you can have it watered down, but I went full, you know, full hardcore sweet tea. So amazing. Uh, can I just say, you have been so hospitable, and Pastor Brian, it's been so amazing for you. And, and I've been staying in their homes, so Steph and Brian have just been great, and they have been so kind to me, and it's just been so lovely to be here and to experience, you know, sometimes you go places and you stay in a hotel, 
but to stay with people. It's just, it's just a, a shows their heart and their passion. So I just want to thank you for putting up with me and your, your wonderful family as well. They're so, not, you don't put up with your family, and I didn't either. They were their joy. What I did realize was I'm really glad I had boys. I like girls, you know, and one day, but sorry, what am I, Brian, don't dig a hole. Uh, they're lovely, aren't they? But it, it, boys are, anyway, this. Uh, <laughs> it's a maintenance issue, I think that's the deal. But uh, I want us to think tonight, as we look at this final session about breakthrough, I want us to uh, look at the idea of what, what happens when prayer is linked to mission. So tonight I want to talk about intimacy and involvement, about breathing in and breathing out. The idea that if you breathe in and you breathe out, you're alive. If someone next to you has stopped breathing in and out, we've got issues, okay? So when someone is breathing in and out, they are alive. Uh, And you know, when I look around the world, I, I get to travel, as I said yesterday, to lots of wonderful places. And I, I see that the church that is truly active and truly thriving is one that both breathes in and breathes out. And what I mean by that is that when we pray, when we position ourselves in the presence of God, when we worship, when we kneel before him, when we spend time with him, we breathe in. But when we are placed out in the world, we are called to breathe him out. It's so simple that we, the family of God, are called to both breathe in his presence, but breathe his presence out to those around us. We breathe in, we breathe out. It's that simple. And so if you don't remember anything else tonight, remember breathe in, breathe out. When I'm in the morning, when I'm in my prayer time, when I'm on my chair, I'm breathing in. So in order that during the day I can breathe out that I can, you know, be Jesus to others, that I can talk to others, that I can witness to others, that I can, you know, do the things that I'm called to do. And so, you know, what happens sometimes is I'll go to, I get to visit lots of places, as I said, and you go and visit a mission organisation that are doing missions out and about. And sometimes they're breathless because all they're trying to do is reach the lost, reach the lost, do what we've got to do, do, which is really deadly important. You know, and we've got to do it, we've got to do the work, we've got to do the work, but they never breathe in. And, and I have seen you know, untold burnouts by people with a passion for justice and a passion for mission. And let me tell you this, if your passion for justice and your passion for mission outweighs your passion for Jesus, it will eat you for breakfast. And so I, I look and I see people that are like that and they need to learn to breathe in. And then I get invited to other kind of gatherings. They're called prayer gatherings. I go to lots of them and, you know, and they're, they're interesting gatherings. But you know what happens there is a lot of people just breathing in. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. And you know, if you keep breathing in, you just fall over, you know. And, and it'll be oh, soaking, soaking, soaking. I believe in soaking, but sometimes the sponge needs a squeeze or the water in it gets stagnant, you know? You know, you do it smells and horrible. So, you know, we have to do this, this sense of breathing in and breathing out. So where we see people do it, both of these, 
We see health. We see vitality. We see life when we both breathe in and breathe out. And that breathing in and breathing out does not just apply to mission organizations or prayer organizations. It applies to you and I. I think sometimes we, we, when we talk about uh, mission, we, we, and I'm, I, we, my wife and I planted a work in Ibiza in Spain. It's a small island off the, uh, the coast of Barcelona, and we lived there for eight years, and, we, and it's like spring break island, okay? Had the most pubs, clubs, and bars per square mile in all of Europe. So Tracy and I took our two sons, and we planted a work right in the middle of that. And we had a prayer room right in the middle of there. And so sometimes we can think that's mission. But actually mission for me is my neighbor. Mission for me is the people that I meet. When I was getting my tires fixed on my car because someone had kept driving it into, couldn't park properly. I, I don't know who. And, uh, and they were a bit, uh, you, you get that here, they get out of alignment. And the guy starts to talk to me about his depression. Now, and we kind of think, oh, everyone talks to everyone about their depression. No, they don't. It's because you breathe in and you breathe out. They see that you have something of the presence of God in your life. They can't quite put their finger on it. They start opening up to you. And that is mission. When you say to that guy, listen, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I pray with you? If he says no, what's, what's the worst that could happen? Do you know a lot of the time when it comes to sharing our faith, it's us. We have to get over ourselves. What's, you know, we, we have to, you know, someone thinks you're mad. Well, they all, if they know you're a Christian, they already think you're mad. <laughs> you know, we just have to, we, sometimes we get caught up in all this stuff, but actually, we, so, so mission becomes me expressing my faith in my everyday life. Whether that be with a mother at the school gates, whether that be at work with my friends, wherever it is, mission is something that we're all called to. We can't, we can't, you know, we're not all called to be missionaries and go and live in other countries, but we are all called to, be, to mission. And that mission is just you and I living as witnesses of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Now, I'm not here to make anybody feel, you know, condemned about that. It's just about, it says, you know, don't, don't put your light under a bucket. Your light should shine. People notice when your light shines. Moses and Aaron, there's a beautiful story in Numbers 16, verse 42 to 50. Let me read it to you. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, this is at the rebellion of Korah, uh, and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of the meeting. And the Lord said to Moses, get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put incense in it, along with burning coals from the altar, and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. There's a call on each one of our lives to stand between the living and the dead. There is a plague spreading throughout our land. You know, it's been going on since, you know, the beginning of creation of light and dark. And we are the ones who are called to to go to the altar, to the place of prayer, to the fire, 
and take what we get there. Aaron didn't stay there. Oh, it's nice here. There's a fire. I'm warm. I'm okay. God obviously is not going to kill me and Moses. No, he took what he got at the fire and he ran out into the world that so desperately needed it and he made atonement. He stood between the living and the dead. And so there's a beautiful picture of the call on each one of our lives that we go to the fire, to the place of prayer, to the presence of God. When we were worshipping this morning, right, it's not the morning, there's no lights. This evening, you know, we, we were going to the fire and what we get at the fire, we don't just keep there, we take out into the world. And so this idea of breakthrough, this idea of prayer, I think it is intrinsically linked to mission, prayer and mission together. And that, but I just want you to, to, in your mind, not think that means a mission team. And I love mission teams. The work we did in Spain, we couldn't have sustained it without them. So, so hear me, I'm not criticizing mission teams. I'm just calling us to our own. Each one of us, imagine, shining as lights in darkness would be an amazing thing. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, the leader who neglects to pray must be very careless about his ministry. He cannot have comprehended his calling. He cannot have computed the value of a soul or estimated the meaning of eternity. I should have put that up, shouldn't I? Sorry. (laughs) Hudson Taylor said this, would that God would make hell so real to us that we cannot rest and heaven so real that we must have men there. Amazing. And so when I look at church growth and when I look at mission growth, I see men and women who live with that kind of zeal. They were people who prayed, but they were people who carried Jesus out and about to those around them. And kind of thinking, how did that happen? How do we do that? It's very good, Brian. It's fear, you know, the, the theory is great. Well, let's, let's, let me just take you a little bit further with this. In Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, we, we, it's the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that... A, <laughs> tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then what happens? The church does not stay in the prayer room. The church finds itself out in the marketplace. And you know, I just want to say to you today, if you find yourself in the marketplace, it's where you're meant to be. There is not a higher calling to say, oh, I I need to do something for the church. We need people to serve the church. But if you're placed in retail, you're where you're meant to be. If you're placed in banking, you're where you're meant to be. If you're wherever it is, that's where the Lord has placed you to shine light because we're called to shine light in all these places. And I sometimes think we kind of grade it a bit. You know, here's Brian, he travels the world preaching. There are sometimes, do you know, the the biggest challenge with this is isolates me from my everyday neighbors because I'm on a plane. You know, and they follow me on Insta, you know, and, or whatever. You, do, do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like weird. And you kind of like, you know, so this, it, it, don't look at this as the way forward. You're the way forward. We're the way forward. We're outworking it in the local setting. And so when I was young, I told you yesterday about my, if you weren't here yesterday, you'd have to do some catch up. But my mother died when I was 11. My dad was a pastor. And then we had this beautiful moment. I've got four brothers. I'm number two, second oldest. Uh, and, you know, for, well, I, was, I was 11 when my mum died, so my brother was 12, one was 10, and one was, you know, anyway, there's five of us. 
And <laughs> I don't want to go through all the names either. I'll get one wrong and they'll watch it online and say, why didn't you speak about me? And uh, <laughs> we had these little old ladies in church who took pity on my dad because he could not cook. Do you know what I mean? It just wasn't his thing. He, grew, he was born in 1944. He, you know what I mean? It was like very traditional, women do women's things, men do men's things. He did not have a clue. And so we got invited to, to meals around people's homes. For, it was beautiful. Women, you know. They'd, but they, I don't think they always computed what five boys can eat. <laughs> and so we'd turn up and they'd, you'd quickly see them like putting some extra sausages in the oven. You know, and, 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 there'd be, and there'd be like a roast dinner we have in England. So there'd be the potatoes and there'd be like meat and all this kind of stuff. It'd all be set out and you'd get your plate. And, and, and in the middle, this, they used to do this, there'd be all the cakes that you were going to eat afterwards. Okay? And it's just a, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? You've got to eat the kind of meat and vegetables to get to the beautiful cakes. And there's all sorts of complications with this. There were normally three levels of cake. There was like a good cake, chocolate eclair kind of cake. There was like a carrot cake, mid-level. And then there was normally something like Battenberg, which if you don't know what that is, you, don't ever, you need to Google it. It's pink and yellow and covered in marzipan. Okay, it's, it's not good. So there's these kind of like, just think about it. There's three levels of cake. And you're like, oh my goodness, if I don't finish on time, I'm going to get the bad piece of cake. So, so what, what, the first thing we would do was we would put our heads down and trough. I don't know if you do this. Troughing? You've, if you've got, it's basically, you put, your, the, you put your face as close to the plate. You don't do it deliberately. It's an accidental. You kind of, and, and we, or you hoover it up. You know what I mean? It's like, you're like, whoa, like that. The first time I took my wife out for a meal, I was like, whoa. And then I went, oh, you're not hungry. Can I have that? And do you know what I mean? It was like, it was, but you know, you hoovered it up. But then the, there was another challenge as well. The, the other challenge was that they would look at me and I was what we would call, let's just be kind, when I was young, I was rotund, okay? <laughs> My brother Evan was skinny, like skinny, skinny. Little ginger, skinny ginger, okay? I can say that, he's my brother. And, uh, and so the lady would come out and she'd look at me, rotund, Evan skinny, and she'd always make the wrong call. He's skinny, he needs more food. He's rotund, let's just keep him a little light. But I would be like, why are you doing this? I will make you happy. I will eat everything on the plate. If you put it on the plate, I will, I will make you feel that you are the best chef in the world. He, on the other hand, will hide his food under his potatoes. He'll move it around to make it look like he's eaten it. And so what would happen? He'd get two sausages. I'd get one sausage. No, don't worry. We had ways. And so what I would then... Don't worry. We are going somewhere with this story. What would happen is... Look at the clock. I would reach over and I would steal a sausage off my brother and we'd steal food. So me and my brothers, we would steal food from each other's plates and we'd also trough just to get to the decent cake. But if you realise that somehow that all else would fail, we had the third and final tactic and it was this. Lick it and claim it. <laughs> I know we have like... I know there's like name it and claim it, but this was a whole other level. Lick it and claim it. So you would make sure your brother saw it. You would, you would reach out. You would get the eclair. You would lick the eclair. You'd put it back. It's yours. And if by accident an adult finished first and they ate it, everybody just kept quiet. <laughs> they were not telling anybody. They've just ate my dribble. You know, so... 
<laughs> just... Sorry, I snorted then, didn't I? I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm just, I, was rem- I was remembering it. It was just like... And uh, so this is all going on. My poor dad, you know what I mean? Grieving father with these five boys who are stealing food. Do you know what I mean? Tr- eating like pigs, trying to lick food. This poor lady. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Absolute nightmare. And, but he developed something which was this, as I went to steal Evan's sausage off his plate, my dad went, <clears throat> and I knew, <clears throat> don't you do that, Brian, or we'll be talking about this when we get home. When my brother Paul, his head went down to the plate and he opened the, the gates of Mordor to suck in all the food. <laughs> the, uh, my dad went, <clears throat> and Paul stopped. Whenever John reached out to lick the eclair, my dad went, ahem. And people just thought he had a bad throat. <laughs> but he was secretly controlling the entire meal through his small coughs. His, let's just call him his little ahems. 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 <laughs> and so the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. They spent time with Jesus. They knew who he was. And they're walking up to Gate Beautiful, Peter and John. And they walk by a man that they've walked by many, many times. And he's begging. And they look, and they're just about to walk by. Can I just say what happens? The Holy Spirit goes, ahem, ahem. And they turn to him. And they go, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Because they had spent time with Jesus. They had spent time with the king and they knew the little... So when I talk about breathing in and breathing out, it's about us becoming sensitive to the little... of the spirit. That whenever we're standing in a bus with someone, we're... Ahem. talk to them. I don't know if you catch buses. We do in England. We, the listening to God, it's about tuning in. So this whole idea of the chair, this whole idea of persevering, even the whole idea of fasting is that we attune our senses to the Spirit in order that we hear Him and we allow His promptings to lead us through life. It's so, so important. When we lived in Spain, we had a little ahem moment. We felt the Lord told us to, uh, we were working with people out on the streets. So we'd go out on the streets from midnight until about four in the morning or five in the morning. We would, the people in the prayer room, we'd, we'd have half the team in the prayer room, they would pray. The other half would go out on the street and then we'd switch over. So no one got to say, I just pray and no one just did streets. So you know, we, that, we did that all night long. So you, this half, you're out on the street, this half, you pray for an hour, then we swap. And so when we were out on the street, we'd go up to people and go, hi, my name's Brian, I'm a Christian, can I pray for you? Now you have to understand in the European context of in Spain alone, it's 0.01% evangelical Christian. So it's kind of an interesting concept. And people would say, ah, yes. And eventually, the first summer we were there, we prayed for a thousand people on the streets who didn't yet know Jesus. One night, there were three guys on a bachelor party dressed as Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. And I went up to them, because we want God to bless marriages, don't we? 
And I said, guys, can I, one of you getting married? And they said, yeah, Spider-Man's getting married. And I'm, I said, can we, can we pray? And he said, yeah, of course, well, I would love you to pray. And I said, well, let's pray. And I shut my eyes to pray for them. And they all knelt down in the street. So I found, this was like 21st century mission. I'm kneeling on the street with Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman praying. <laughs> and when, when they got up, Spider-Man was crying. I always knew he was like the weakest superhero. But... Uh, <laughs> No, but what would happen was as we, as we stepped out, here's the deal, as we stepped out and were brave in offering prayer, as we responded to the little hums of the Holy Spirit, he would show up, the Holy Spirit would show up and the guy was actually crying because God had touched his life. And so we tried to live this way and eventually we, we actually got these little Bibles printed and they're like, Jesus loves Ibiza, it says on the front. They're from Nav Press, the message version. I, we would give them to people as we prayed for them. So here's a little Bible. And, and I know people would say to me, oh, it's a paraphrase, all of that. But if you've never, ever, ever read the Bible, this is an interesting concept. I had one, one lady, she worked as a lap dancer in a, a strip joint. She, went, she came up to my wife and I and she said, I read the end last night, Brian. I went, what do you mean? She said, I read Revelation before I went to bed. And I went, why would you do that? And, and she said, well, you always want to know how the book ends. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we'd had these really, and I had a bouncer outside, you know, a security guard. We gave him one. He went, I've read your book. Like, I was like, no, it's not mine. I didn't write this. And he went, uh, I've made a few changes. <laughs> it was so cool. And, he was in, and then another guy said to me, I've got a, I've got a tip. He said, if you, I think starting the book with Mark, not Matthew, would be better. I was like, ooh, that's like the, there's, there's hundreds of years of history here. He said, yeah, it's just a bit boring when you start with a genealogy. And I was like, mm, makes sense, but I'm not going to get involved. And, uh, and we just used to give these Bibles out as we prayed with people. And, you know, it was just responding to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And I was standing in a field in a UK festival four years ago in England with 20,000 people in a field. And I was standing next to a guy. He was a bit rough. And I was like, I got chatting. I said, where are you from? He said, oh, we're from, a, we're from a place up north. We're here to help set up all the speakers. And, and I said, oh, he said, it's a rehabilitation center. And, you know, we're all a bit, we come from a bit of a rough background. And I said, how did you become a Christian? And he said to me, 10 years ago, I was in Ibiza, and some random person gave me one of these. <laughs> and like 20,000 people, and he's standing next to me. It was like God was like, you just get those little moments where God's like, you were doing the right thing. Respond to the Spirit. And so this was just our creative way of engaging with our community because we listened to the prompts of the Spirit. And actually, Brian, I wanted to give you my copy of this as a gesture, because I believe what you're doing here is responding to the Spirit. And, and, and that's just, I just wanted you to have that because I feel as a church that you, you represent as the leader here that increasingly you guys are going to be nudged and prompted by the Holy Spirit into new and different places that are going to see the lost, the least, and the last become impacted for Jesus. I know you're already doing it, but I believe you're going to see more than you've ever seen before as you dig deep into him in prayer, as you breathe in. I believe you will breathe out and you will see many people come to know Jesus. And I just want to speak that over you and your leadership and thank you for what you're doing. And so please take that little book. It's uh, another... Are you okay with the stories, by the way? 
Okay. Another really interesting factor about the Bibles was we left Ibiza in 2012. We had planted the work. We still, I'm going out there for three months in two weeks, in three weeks' time to help. So we had planted the work and we left in 2012. And there was a young lady who went out who was a party girl doing cocaine, you know, dancing, just out there to have a wild time. And one of the team gave her one of those Bibles. And she read it and she found Jesus as she read the Bible. And she went back to England, she went to church. And then she went along to this crazy 24-7 prayer conference and she met a young man called Ellis Heasley, my son. <laughs> they fell in love and she's my daughter-in-law. And it's like God sometimes just, I don't, it's not like a reward, but it's just a beautiful thing that you step out, you step out. You just go with the promptings. You allow God to lead you. And we weren't even there when that happened. And it's like Ibiza gave me a daughter, you know. It's, it's beautiful. And so I just, I think my encouragement to you as we keep moving along this train is that we, we, we become like that early church who consistently, it was interesting after Acts 2, Acts 4, is that we read again that they get persecuted and they go and they pray, and it says the Spirit fell again. It doesn't just happen once. The Spirit keeps coming. They're moved again to go. It's not a, a one-off. Actually, one commentator said this. Let me, if I can find it for you, because I've gone slightly off my notes here, that God gives grace for the time being, but no stock for futurity, meaning he doesn't always just give it for us to store up, because he will keep all his followers continually dependent on him, continually dependent on him. The breathe in, the breathe out, it's about us learning to be dependent on him and allowing for what I would call divine interruptions. Because I had a little tear there, I've got to do this again, sound, wonderful sound people, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and so we have to do with this kind of, it's, it's like we have this phrase in, in our organization where we have what we would call key person dependency. If one person's away and no one can do the job, we've become overly dependent on that person. You know, where's so-and-so? Oh, why can't we get this out? Well, because John's away. Oh, well, we've become key person dependent, you know? So we try and make sure that more than one person can do the job, just in case John's ill, for instance, you know? So, but when it comes to our faith... We need key person dependency. We need to learn to become dependent on the Holy Spirit. One Puritan nonconformist scholar called Joseph Alleyne said this beautiful, beautiful word, which was, my heart is early and late with God. Tis the business and delight of my life to seek him. Make it the business and delight of your life to seek him, become dependent on him, breathe him out. We can't in and out. We can't live a life as a Christian without being dependent on the Holy Spirit. I look throughout my Bible and I see that people are constantly interrupted by God. Noah was interrupted. Build a boat. Joseph, a dream comes that leads eventually to him in saving his entire tribe. Moses well, a burning bush interrupted his life and he leads people to freedom. David takes cheese sandwiches to his brother and ends up having to kill a giant. 
You know, interruption. So it's, when I'm talking about this, it's not something new. God is the God of divine interruption. And we just have to position ourselves to be divinely interrupted. <laughs> Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision, said this beautiful thing. Let my heart be broken with the things that break God's heart. Let my heart be broken with the things that break God's heart. And the more time we spend in prayer, the more we become aligned to God's heart. And as I said earlier, God's heart is always inclined towards the least, the last, and the lost. He is relentless and intense, and he loves the broken, which because we know, you know how we know? Because we all remember John 3, 16. You've got to be pretty intensely in love with the brokenness of humanity to give your only son so that whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So there's an intensity to God that we, you know, that so, and when we spend time with him, it's like when I rub a needle against a magnet at school, and you put it on a cork. It's a chemistry exam. I wasn't very, I got expelled from school. You won't be surprised to hear. <laughs> and the needle's on. And if you rub it against the magnet, the needle actually starts to point towards magnetic north. It starts, it becomes aligned. It, 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 it aligns itself to magnetic north. And so as we spend time with God, we start to point towards the least, the last, and the lost. Because he does. We become aligned. Our hearts become aligned with his heart. We start to look and point towards those that he would have us look and point towards. So my challenge really today is that in these few little stories I've told you that you grasp something of the simplicity of breathing in and breathing out. That you realize that this isn't rocket science, that actually we can all do it. But it is about disciplining ourselves to spend time with Jesus. Disciplining our ourselves to spend time with Jesus. And he will open up doors for us in the most unlikely of places. The most unlikely of places. My wife was walking down the street in Ibiza one night. And this guy came running up to her and he said, have you come to save my soul? It's an interesting question just to ask a random person. We didn't, you know, we wouldn't tell people we were Christians. There was no visible sign that we were Christians. And, and, he, and she said, and Tracy, she's cleverer than I, so she, when someone asks you that, you either freak out or you do this. Why did you ask me that? And he went to her, my friend John is a Christian and you look just like him. Now, right, Tracy does not look like a man, okay? So let's get that clear. But she had just come from the prayer room and he noticed something of the Spirit of God resting on her that shone out of her that enabled her to have a conversation with John and talk to him and work with him and pray with him and listen to him. It's an interesting thing that sometimes, you know, people will just see that you've been with Jesus. What did they say of the disciples? They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Would this world around us take note that Brookwood had been with Jesus? Would people see on a regular basis, would they take note that you had been with Jesus? 
And we look at the joy of that. And we look at the beauty of that. But in the end, it pours out of us to affect those around us. And that's the call that is on each one of our lives, that we would breathe in and breathe out and see this world transformed as we get closer to him. So I'm going to pray, if that's okay with you. My faith is two-pronged. I don't think we can choose to go for just one prong. We're called to do both. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't just be present seekers. We also need to be present bringers. We need to be striving to do both at all times. Breathe in, breathe out. And so, Father, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you for this time of breakthrough. And I pray, Lord, that any of the, the jokes or any of the randomness that I have said, Lord, would you know, fall to the way and we would remember your words. And, Lord, that you would lead each one of us to be a people who breathe in and breathe out. That you would take away any of the tension that we would feel in that or any of the kind of pressure, but it would just be the overflow of our lives affecting those around us. So come now, Holy Spirit, may you go <clears throat> in the ears of everyone in this room over the next weeks and months. May, may we become more sensitive to your promptings, more interested in your leadings, and may we see others impacted and affected for the sake of your kingdom in Jesus name amen amen thank you bless you Brian we are so grateful that you joined us today for our bonus episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast there are three episodes all together and we encourage you to go back to the very first one if you haven't caught all three just yet there is a daily devotional companion for breakthrough this week and this will help you spend time with God every day and you can find the daily devotional on the Brookwood Church app the breakthrough movement is a challenge for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ through intentional times of fasting and prayer you can find out more about how you can participate by going to the website, brookwoodchurch.org slash breakthrough. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you during our next episode.